Unstable is a father-son workplace comedy streaming on Netflix. The eight-episode series dropped Thursday, March 30th, and is about an eccentric billionaire and head of a successful biotech company who loses his wife, starts acting erratically, which ultimately leads him to reconnecting with his son. The small cast is led by a real-life father-son duo, Rob Lowe and John Owen Lowe, and was developed by creator of the Santa Clarita Diet and Better Off Ted. On this podcast, we like to discuss the recent installments of a different series every show. Today, that's the 25-minute pilot. Happy April Fool's Day. Welcome to today's episode. So it's pretty common for us to go through the episode that we watched and then talk about it, give our pros and cons, and then finally give our rating and see the reviews. But I want to start off with the reviews this time as part of a little game. I've got four reviews here, and I don't want you to give away like your ultimate opinion on the show, unless you want to, but I want you to tell me if you uh, agree with them enough where you think they're real. So it's like I've given, or I have four different, The Hollywood Reporter, Rolling Stone, The Guardian, Decider, Mm -hmm. and you have to decide whether or not what... I'm saying is actually true about what they said. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So Hollywood Reporter said this about Unstable. Unstable is very, very funny. Thanks to a crackling combination of sharp writing, lovably eccentric characters, and snappy comedic timing. Is that what they said? Uh, I will go with false. Nope, that's true. That's true. Okay. Rolling Stone said, Unstable is a comedic tour de force. The show's exploration of the tech industry is both insightful and hilarious, and the father-son dynamic between Rob and John Owen Lowe is a delight. Uh, I will go with false for that one. You got it. Okay, so you're one for one right now. The Guardian gave it two stars. The actor stars alongside his son in a nauseatingly smaltzy, second-tier comedy. It's utterly unfunny, but at least its lead is charming as ever. Uh, I'll give that true. Yep, okay. yep. Guardian stuck with its, uh, or it went back, because for a while we were getting like four, four stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Decider said stream it, even without Rob and John Owen Lowe's father-son dynamic, Unstable would be a, an above-average workplace comedy. Uh, sitcom. Hmm. I would say true again. Yeah, okay, so you only missed the first one by The Hollywood Reporter. All right, uh, so three out of four, that's pretty good. Yeah. So you know a lot about Rob Lowe, right? I mean, you know for him the most from part. Parks I, and Rec? Yeah. Californication? I never really watched a lot of California. He played, like, a really extreme version of himself. Mm-hmm. Hyper and a narcissist, you know? Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to, like, uh, be a foil almost to the Hank Moody character. Um, and, anyways, the the West Wing, he was in that. Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen the West Wing. I would still... And then con- The Grinder, uh, <laughs> which ran for, like, two seasons. I never watched that. I remember the promo but, sport. But what do you know about his son? For his son, I don't know anything. Okay, well, then I have a little bit of an introduction. Basically, I want you to guess how he transitioned into acting. And you have three different choices here, and you got to tell me which ones you think are true. Mm-hmm. Ready? 2017's The Low Files. The Low Files? The Low Files. Is that like a, is that a, a documentary, docuseries? No, it's a TV show. It, well, it's sort of a, it's like a paranormal series. Each episode followed Rob Lowe and his two sons as they <laughs> investigated a different topic, such as Bigfoot sightings, alien encounters, and haunted houses. The show incorporated a mix of scientific analysis, eyewitness accounts, and personal experiences to explore each mystery. Please tell me that's false. Mm, we'll find out at the end. <laughs> Number two is after John Owen Lowe graduated from Stanford with a degree in science technology, he announced that he wanted to write and act. 
That could be the reason why he went into this. Or he was writing on Lone Star with his dad, and that ultimately led him to come up with the idea to make a show together. Well, I know that this show, it kind of focuses around a biotechnology company, so I'll go with the second one. The second one is true. Yeah. But so are the other two. Wait, what? The, yes. All three of them are all false? All three of them are oh, true. true. True, Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, so the so the Bigfoot sighting one is actually The Low true... Files is a real show, <laughs> even though his brother doesn't even work in acting anymore. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah, they're very close family, it seems like. Um, he's worked with his dad, John Owen Lowe, again in Lone Star. And uh, part of the reason that this show was even made was it was inspired by their back and forth on social media. Like, Rob Lowe likes to post a lot of selfies of him doing things, and his son likes to, like, knock him down a little peg, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a little roast. I think that in this show, Ellis, who, again, that's Rob Lowe's character. Ellis Dragon. I think he is most like Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation. That's You're not alone to say because that. Because yeah. he doesn't, like, ever want to accept anything other but happiness into his life, even though you can tell with the character when he's, like, kind of mad or sad, and I think that Rob Lowe does a great job with, with like, his facial expressions, because you have to have some type of to be able to like pull that off always being happy but being able to tell what the character is feeling underneath who is ellis dragon though in the show so uh i have actually a little summary here he's the leader of a downward spiraling biotechnology company after the recent loss of his wife and his distant son uh, relationship jackson he seems to be on the edge of going through an emotional meltdown with but his is his company project. really failing because from what i heard it sounds like it was a very it's successful like, it's on the fritz basically what they're doing is they're trying to find um like in environmentally safe ways to be able to bring technology into the world mm -hmm. and that's actually Carbon neutral yeah that's actually where the show i thought had its funniest on-running joke because like uh, just from everything that ellis has created in this company for example he like created an enzyme that turns sugarcane into plastic-like biodegradable material he also has like found a way to so draw plastic-like biodegradable because <laughs> yeah. plastic is notoriously we don't know how to break yeah. it down or we have like a couple bacteria that can break it down that's what like... i found funny about it yeah but this is something that'll just break down over time he's that's also great. found a way to draw carbon out of the atmosphere and use it to manufacture concrete hmm this reminds <laughs> me a little bit of extrapolations where in the future the main guy who was evil though mm -hmm. the who the game of thrones dude uh kit harrington yes kit harrington he had discovered a way to supply water to everybody well not not only that like they've also found a way to literally cut out climate change forever because they created a plant he solved climate change basically they created a plant that, the that is, is so much oxygen of that like if they plant a hundred thousand of these things it will plant what is equal to a trillion trees and they even created an invisibility cloak that you only see their eyes for so literally there's a part of the episode where the son his son jackson walks in and you just see Rob Lowe's eyes because he's wearing this invisibility cloak. That was probably the funniest that, that the show funny. got. Yeah, I mean, it starts off though, I thought, with something that actually gave like a hint of Joker, and I had to like kind of put that back into my notes from an ending twist that happens in the. But basically, what do you mean by a hint of Joker? So it starts off with him, he's watching Ellis, he's in his mansion, he's watching a video of his dog being saved from his iPad, and then he's like crying about it. There's a short dance scene that he does, and then he looks in oh, the a mirror. TikTok dance? Yeah, I'm well, <laughs> is he doing it for social media as well no he's doing it for himself he's just dancing in his apartment he's just an eccentric guy really yeah. quick and then he's staring in the mirror and he's basically saying to himself not today today's going to be a good day or something like that and then he uh he leaves for his job and that's where i thought the hint of joker came into play because he you could tell that he was trying to get all the sad and like anger that he had in his life kind of out of his system gotcha 
like he was putting on his makeup. Basically, this takes place two months after the death of his wife, who he'd been married with or yeah, for 30 years. There are, there are comparisons, I feel like, that you can make throughout this whole entire TV series, whether it be with the plot or the characters. For example, you bringing up that his wife Katie died after this car crash. Uh, he talks to Anna about it when he first gets into work. I felt like that was a lot like Afterlife. I think that's Ricky Gervais' show on yeah. Netflix as well. I also felt that there was characters that they wanted to make you feel like we're different characters from other TV shows. For example, Malcolm. Malcolm is someone who is like an assistant for Ellis, or at least works at the company, who always wants his approval. At least that's what Anna says to him. He's kind of like a replacement son. He's about the same age as the actual son. Yeah, he was actually in in the show. He's friends with his son Jackson, but he was like Larry from BMS, where it's like oh, Larry for that. Yeah, where he, where he just always wants to make Ellis the hype man. happy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so then, yeah, Malcolm ends up having to fly to New York because at this point, Ellis, he's just on the verge of a mental breakdown. He's not coming into work. Every Tuesday, he's taking off to work for like a landscape company. He's just kind of... I don't want to rude the thing, but didn't he come to work naked, right? Yeah. In fact, that's how Anna like walks in like at the very that, beginning like, that's of the episode. The, that's the cause. That's the trigger that causes Malcolm to have to go and find the sun and say, you got to reconnect with yeah, because It reminds me of... of lucky hank because something similar where the dad like had just retired and broke up with his wife and then lucky hank who he didn't have a really great relationship gets a call saying you you really ought to talk to your dad it also reminds me of the last show that we did the big door prize right mm-hmm. where yeah. where someone dies and that like is an over like it, they died before the show even took place and that that like takes over the entire narrative not by comparison it also reminded me of the apple tv series shrinking just kind of the same type of tone and everything where it's like you have this character who's supposed to be so great and shrinking it's a therapist was there that much drama but i mean well no not it's not nearly as dramatic as um as shrinking or in serious, fact, yeah. i felt like this was kind of like an nbc show multi-cam show at least for the beginning you have uh, instances of like parks and rec the office the good place kind of those types of workplace TV comedies shows. yeah yeah um, um, but so it ends up being that Jackson, he flies down to the company. And it's funny, I didn't know until you said it that they were actually um, father and son. In fact, I had actually down as one of my pros that Jackson looks so much like Rob Lowe. I was like, wow, they did a really good job with makeup. You didn't realize this was then, a Lopez versus Lopez show? I thought, I thought that they just somehow found a really good like, look-alike. look-alike, yeah, for like what Rob Lowe was going to be. But Jackson, actually, one of the smart things that this show did was it kind of focused the first episode. You think it's going to really be about Ellis it's really focused around Jackson I felt like and then you kind of get definitely some instances of Ellis and his character but also kind of descriptions from other people like Ruby like I said Malcolm really Anna that explain who Ellis is and I feel like from what I've read that this show doesn't fall into the trap of like shit my dad says or like where it's the millennial versus that like there's still some some uh, back and forth between the but the ageism factor isn't like a constant yeah joke of I like didn't... this person is just out of it because they don't exist in this time period they're, they're not like hiddenly racist or anything i didn't even factor that in but yeah it doesn't do that i i like you kind of mentioned earlier i think lopez v lopez kind of did that same thing or whatever it was yeah. but you like here they're it's... still mocking each other but they're yeah. kind of equally doing so right yeah well ellis he really wants his son jackson to stay uh, like stay because he's only because Jackson's only supposed to be wherever they are. I actually, didn't get where they were working for one night before he's gonna fly back to New York because he's a flutist. Because he's a flutist, a yeah. flautist, or I don't need. It's, it's <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually a joke in the show. Ellis doesn't know how to actually like call what his son is. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> so I'm Ellis, and this <laughs> that's not great. 
Um, yeah, so overall, can you see the comparison to Better Off Ted and Santa Clarita Diet? Because it was brought by that executive producer. I never really watched, I never really watched Santa Clarita Diet and Better Off Ted was so long ago, but I would say it's more, more closely related to Better Off Ted. Mm-hmm. Kind of almost those shows that feel like they're supposed to have a laugh track, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no laugh track. No, thank God. Okay. And also the episodes are short as well. And it ends with something that I found kind of interesting. So at the very end of the episode, there's like this emotional moment. It didn't really work that well. In fact, it felt a little bit like Blockbuster in that sense, where it's like Ellis has explained to Jackson how he doesn't want his son to go back the day later because he misses his mom, Katie. And then like Jackson kind of uh, shrugs that off at first, but then does karaoke at this bar. It was, it was really kind of lame in that instance. But at the very end of the episode... Um, the on-running, like, kind of mystery of this episode has been that the therapist that Ellis was given mm-hmm. has just kind of gone missing, fell off the, like, planet of the Earth. No one knows exactly where he is, and... Isn't it Leslie, like, his therapist, or is this before... It, who's playing the therapist? We don't see the therapist. You don't in this see the therapist. So, oh, I was hoping you would. Yeah, it felt it felt like, and I'm not surprised you say that because it felt like whoever is going to play a therapist in later episodes has like a bigger role. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm not surprised. He thrives in the like the kind of the minor character type. I feel he like really he'd be likes really funny. It. Yeah, he's almost like he keeps on popping up in all of these different shows, especially if he's just like a weird dude. But Jackson, yeah. So Jackson is kind of uh, talking to Anna after he's done his flute performance at the bar i think that he said that he was maybe going to stay longer than he was expecting to and anna tells uh jackson that he really does have to stay because it turns out that the therapist ellis has locked up in his basement oh okay and like yeah and for a so couple that's days like that's steve carell because show. yeah well i'll get i'll get there in a sec because apparently the therapist was threatening to send an unflattering report on ellis and then ellis is like oh yep time to feed him he gets angry if i don't feed him on time and i said yeah it's basically a funnier version of the show the patient and I and I, I don't know if that was just supposed to be a, like a one-off joke at the very end of it, because obviously the show is going to expand into that, or if that what the show is actually leading to. It also made is it the, a rest? Yeah, <laughs> it, it also made the title of the show make unstable. more sense. Unstable. It's the t- title of the episode too. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that as well. It's weird to see the title of the show be the title of the episode. Well, sometimes they do that for like season finales. I know Daredevil was named like Daredevil at the very end. Good, I don't know a catch. lot of shows that do it for the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. That being said, as my I've kind of gone into my observations and pros about the show. I do think a lot of the shit jokes, however, fall flat. There's just a lot of a lot of TV shows do this. This isn't the only one to do it, but like they always have these weird like like one-liners. For example, there's a joke about how Anna put an infrared sauna in Ellis's office, and then Ellis responds that he gets more clarity from his bone marrow being warm. <laughs> and it's just like continually these jokes. I That's don't not see, funny. <laughs> I don't see how they're ever funny like that. It, I mean, like every show does funny. it. Anyways, so also, that's a con for you. Uh, yeah, jokes. I also felt like a lot of the characters beyond Ellis and maybe Jackson were just one trait characters, and it almost felt like the show was just trying to introduce them, so they didn't have to d- introduce them later on. For uh-huh. example, Anna is just the helpful assistant. There's a scientist named Ruby who is supposed to kind of be a love interest for Jackson. I think There's, Anna is too. I think, the, or or someone else, maybe Luna. Like, they're supposed to be. Wait, is Anna old? Is too old to be? Yeah, Anna. Okay, so it's probably Luna and Ruby. Yeah. So. 
Luna is uh, is like kind of the nerdy scientist. They also made it seem like Jackson and her might have a thing later on in the show. Malcolm, like I said, is supposed to be the person kind of obsessed with making Ellis happy, even though we haven't seen that trait too much from him yet. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it just felt like all these traits have been done in other TV shows, which I thought really brought the show down because if they had good characters, I think this could actually So maybe work. you'd, you'd uh, agree with Clyder's uh, take. It says, Unstable had the potential to be the streamer's next big hit, but instead, it's just another cliche-riddled workplace comedy featuring all the tropes that have been done far better before. Yeah, and I, I would also I would agree with that. I also felt like I don't know if the show has enough drama or dark enough uh, material to really go with its kind of cool twist that they did with Ellis being this person who's keeping him the therapist. Give it the benefit. Basement. Okay, okay. Actually, I have a good question for that. So, what do you see if as the show's potential worst case scenario and best case scenario? Worst case scenario, I feel like would be if they made malcolm the main character i really didn't like his like character at all oh In really fact, i didn't i didn't yeah. branch he was he was my least favorite character out of the whole entire show i felt like hmm. he okay. I, I thought he didn't do a good job so also if they concentrated more on the side characters you would dislike it more you're thinking yeah all right best case scenario best case scenario it turns it around and makes this therapist thing you said fred armison's the therapist so that gets me a little excited for the tv show but that that it really focuses on that and somehow makes it funny and but, goes darker because here's the thing yeah. if if the show was like almost kind of trying to trick you into thinking that was this NBC Parks and Rec tone type Mm -hmm. TV show and then this twist at the very end of it is supposed to actually be how the show really is where it's like kind of focusing on this incredibly unstable as the title says character I feel like it could do some really funny stuff with that Hmm. I feel like like dark comedy and I wouldn't even I'd even probably come back to this pilot if I were to watch the rest of the series and maybe even give it higher points because I understood that's where the show is going at this point it still feels like it's going to retain the same type of lame tone and jokes that it has it well, just i will say did. that like with santa clarita diet it did change kind of trajectories several times and like it felt like the, sh- the point of the show it was always a comedy but there were certainly like yeah it, it, it definitely did change if it do- if it does what santa clarita diet did then yeah i will give the show massive props for that but i'm not sure if it's re- willing to go that far all right well critically right now it looks like it has pretty decent reviews and uh but like it has a 6.6 on imdb and the Rotten Tomato score isn't set yet, but it's it's around a 70% right mm-hmm. now. The overall point of the show just seems to be family, though. Like, so compared to, and because it stars two people, we already compared it to Lopez versus Lopez, um, but like Guy Fieri Grocery Games? How Guy, similar is it to that? To Guy Fieri Grocery Games? Yeah, father-son. There's a father-son in Guy Fieri's grocery guy, and I guess new Guy Fieri. Uh, you don't know that his kid it. also is there and making no. like okay, well, <laughs> all right, that joke went past you. Um, how about Fast and Furious? Fast. <laughs> no. If there's this show turned into more Fast and Furious, I would also get. So it if it got goofier props. or if it got more serious, but if it stays right now where it is, then, then yeah, you don't think you're gonna. I it. mean, I I probably would give this show really a five out of ten. Uh, by so the it doesn't end. Pass. By the end, it reminded me a little bit of the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window or Dead Like Me or Dead To Me, whichever the Netflix show is because of the like kind of unreliable or unlikable narrator. Okay, I think Dead To Me, isn't that the one with um, where, where James Marsden's in it? Yeah, and they made like two or three seasons of it. I don't it. think there's a lot of jokes in that though, are there? I I don't know. I I thought it was a comedy. It is a comedy. It's just very different than the woman in the house across from the street of the murderer. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so overall, you give it a 5 out of 10. How closely related is Dragon to, say, the Mythic mythic Quest character um, that McElhenney plays or, like, to a Tony Stark? 
because it feels like the eccentric billionaire like the difference between him being like an elon musk character is that this guy's supposed to be inherently good except for the kidnapping thing right is dragon isn't that his name is it ellis dragon That's oh they, the name they, of the they never I, uh, they never said his last name in the show i don't think i highly really yes uh okay um yeah anyways that's his name (laughs) so so my point is is he like tony stark uh nobody does have his uh his picture on the cover of time okay i mean that's close enough (laughs) thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode hope you enjoyed this one bye bye